0: It's arrived uh, some minutes ago the answer. We try everything in our eyes. It was not the right decision from the commissaires. It's uh, very very hard this disqualification and uh, especially when we saw the pictures from the last days. Uh, I think everyone saw Peter don't uh, do any wrong. Hello. Thanks
1: for joining Cycling Journals on the road
0: the Tour de France pulled in the Trois for Stage 6, a hot and sticky town that can only be quenched by the local champagne vineyards. Despite Fabio Roux's win yesterday and Marcel Kittel's today, the news centers on Peter Sagan and Mark Cavendish, or what Sagan may or may not have done to Cavendish in Stage 4, to Vittel. At the top of this podcast, we heard from Enrico Poichet of Team Bora Hansgrohe, who fought the jury's decision to disqualify Peter Sagan. Sagan, of course, veered to the right in the final Stage 4 into Vittel, while Cavendish shot through a hole on the right side of the road Cavendish hoped to compete his comeback complete his comeback from glandular fever and good dimension data win in the tour and himself his 31st career stage win it all went wrong they collided Cavendish fell and broke a shoulder blade while Sagan's right elbow was out the jury called Sagan for regular sprinting and sent him home. Cavendish went home with a broken shoulder blade. Setting shotgun in this podcast is Andy Hood from Velo News. Bonsoir, Andy. Thanks, Gregor. Uh, great to be back with you. Today we're going to hear from Cavendish, Sagan, and of course Team Bora. Andy, what's your take on the latest? Uh, Bora Hansgrohe pill to the jury's decision to cast, which is the High Sport, the excuse me, the High Court for Sports. Uh,
1: that makes the final ruling on any issue, Gregor. You're right. This has just been bouncing around uh, the peloton the last uh, 48 hours. The biggest story of this tour so far, without a doubt. Very controversial decision, obviously, in terms of did Sagan deserve to be disqualified? No one's questioning the fact that Sagan deserved relegation. You know, I think that's was universally agreed upon. But disqualification came down. You know, it was big, big scandal, and it has been since. Uh, since two days ago. And, you know, it, it involved uh, two of the sports uh, stars, huge stars. Cavendish, a former world champion, Sagan, two time world champion, current world champion. Really, the two biggest names in the sport in terms of media personalities. I mean, Firm is the big dog in the yellow jersey, but he's more like a good English schoolboy, isn't he? I mean, people love Sagan, people love Cav, and those two guys go head to head in the sprint, so it's going to be the big story on most of this tour because uh, you know the GC fight is going to be drawn down to three summit finishes and there's like eight or nine maybe eleven sprint stages so having those two guys out is a huge hole in the tour
0: That's less terrible, we're left with Damar we're left with uh you know, Marcel Kittel, great guy. We're left with uh, Christoph and Bohani and these type of sprinters. Uh, Team Bora wanted to see Sagan back in the race. Of course, it, uh, early Wednesday morning, it uh, made an express appeal to the High sport, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. It said that, you know, Sagan should have give, been given the opportunity to explain uh, to this uh, jury p- panel his point of view. And it hoped uh, that if the cast ruled in his favor, that it wanted to see Sagan uh, re-engaged back into the Tour de France how likely uh, would, it, would have that have been to see Sagan line back up in the Tour de France tomorrow when we're leaving out of Troyes?
1: Well, that would have never happened. No way. I mean, they might have done sort of, sort of like express uh, decision on overnight on Tuesday to get him back in the race on a Wednesday. But, you know, there's no way they're going to have a, a rider miss one entire stage or perhaps even two and say, okay, oops, you know, they were wrong back into the Tour. I mean, that's unprecedented. I think there was one case... Uh, Erz Zimmerman like in 1990 where he was uh, Swissman I think. Yeah, where he was ejected But, you know, he didn't miss the stage He was ejected overnight Then they changed the ruling And the next morning he was allowed to start the stage as normal So, you know, the idea that somehow Cass was going to overrule this And allow Sagan back in the race I mean, that would have been unprecedented
0: yeah, they could have overruled it, but uh, to allow Sagan back in the race would have, sound, would have been almost impossible. If I think the riders have to compete in every stage in order to be considered in a grand tour or so or any stage race. Was Bora possibly setting this up for a legal case? H- had uh, Cass ruled in their favor, You know, uh, saying uh, we missed out on X uh, euro, X dollars in publicity, because the uh, jury uh, uh, wrongfully kicked out Sagan from the race?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the challenge to Cass is, is, I mean, I've never actually heard of that before. Uh, that was of bouncing around already after the after the disqualification because the rules explicitly say there's no appeal of a UCI jury uh, verdict, mm-hmm. a ruling. The only one exception is is you, you can challenge the the monetary value of a of a, of a fine over. 200 Swiss francs. Right. So it was curious when they, when it came out that's why they find uh that's why they find Saigon. That was the only grounds where they could have somehow appealed it to CAS to kind of challenge uh, a ruling from the race jury. That would have been like a, you know reversing a yellow card in a football match or pulling back a, a penalty in the Super Bowl a week after the game's over. That was kind of really into some uncharted territory there and I think CAS kind of just you what know, we saw a statement they just kind of batted it away upheld the, the the disqualification and it's Sagan's out.
0: If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider reviewing them in iTunes. It will make them more visible to others when they search and become a supporter by making a donation. You can send money via PayPal to this email, gmarone at gmail.com. That's G, M as in Mary, A, R, R, O, N as in Nancy, E as in Edward, at gmail.com. It's listed on our Facebook page, along with the other donation options.
1: You're listening to Cycling Journals on the Road.
0: Ahead of the Tour de France, the sprinters were warned that the jury would be watching the finishes with a close eye. Mark Cavendish with 30 stage wins said that the jury had much courage to kick out the current world champion Peter Sagan. There's always going to be an opinion on me. I have a lot of people who don't like me. I have a lot of of good fans, a lot of people who don't like me. There's always going to be an opinion on Peter, because uh, he's a great person for the sport. And um, I think what you have to do here is take away the riders involved, take away the jerseys involved, and uh, and and look at what happened. And that's why we have a jury um, to make those decisions. And uh, if I'm honest, it takes it takes a lot of courage, a lot of balls to to eliminate a world champion from the Tour de France. Um, and I commend. Uh, I commend the jury on uh, on taking a decision that wasn't based on on influences from, say, social media or, or outside things. Sagan said yeah. that he accepted the jury's decision but did not agree with it. What I can do, I can just accept the decision of the jury, but for sure I am not agree with them because I I think I didn't do something wrong in the in the spring. But these very bad that uh, Mark, yeah fell down. Andy Hood, what lessons can we learn from this?
1: Well, think as you mentioned, you know the, the jury came into the Team, team uh, DS meeting before the start of this Tour de France and said, we're going to take a heavy hand on these sprints. Because they knew coming into this tour, a lot of sprint stages, and there's a big push within the UCI to kind of make cycling safer anyway. They have that new three-second rule. They're doing things to check course safety along the race every day, doing driver safety courses, trying to do all these things, you know, legitimately to try to make everything safer. So it was a strong signal out to the sprinters. Yeah, so right away from the start of the tour this year, they said any sort of uh, mischief in the sprints, you know, we're going to come down heavy. And another factor we would heard too is that, you know, that uh, Sagan's been a little argy-bargy, as uh, yeah. Garrett Thomas would say in, in the bunch, he's been you know, throwing his weight around. And I talked to a few people about that, and some people said, well, that's a result of the fact that Sagan is such a great bike handler. That he can go into places where people normally wouldn't go. Sagan never crashes. He feels he's confident and timid
0: because he wins so often, or confident and, uh, and and strong because he wins so often, and not timid at all.
1: And there's another, you know, he doesn't really have a great, you know, he doesn't have like a, a big train for him, even though he has his team there all for him. But he still doesn't have like a big train set up like some of these other teams do. So Sagan still kind of freewheels it around there, and he's just big guy, can bump people off his wheel. So I think the jury had maybe headed out for him as well. I mean, they said. That even the earlier crash in that same day might have been caused by Saga. But when uh, Philippe Marianne came down and said his ejection was based solely on what happened with Cavendish. And, and he, said
0: it, he said it wouldn't have mattered if it was Joe Blow or, or uh, whoever out there in the sprint. All right, the decision came from uh, the cast made its ruling basically soon as after uh, Marcel Kittel rocketed into town here ahead of DeMar in the sprint finish. Team Bohr team pushed uh, via express channels uh, with Kass and High Court for Sports to get that ruling ASAP. It just didn't happen. What would
1: have cast what would they have looked at in in this decision wow that's an interesting question i mean first off you know cast is not like some sort of supreme court of sports it's not like you have like nine justices there and there's this. no open, but there, open, there's open three and it is yeah. it is the high court the
0: supreme court of sport is no?
1: Well, it, it is, but it's just—it's it, three uh, members there on this panel that uh, they rotate in. They're, they're kind of considered experts, and it's not like a bunch of yahoos out there making these decisions. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not like it's this. It's not r- in a pub somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not in a pub somewhere. But on the other side, you know, it's not like some sort of permanent court that considers all these legal cases within within uh, the constitutional issues. It kind of does in a certain degree. But in, in this case, it would have been unprecedented for them to... to Overturn a jury ruling within cycling to say that yeah. that that that, uh, that the ju- race jury was wrong in its decision to to uh, disqualify Sagan. I can never. The cost has been around for 20, 25 years. I've never heard of one case involving that in cycling before ever. So sure, and as the race is rolling along, too, to have a decision made while the race is still going. Yeah, I mean, normally they're interpreting doping cases, uh, you know, bans on larger issues, but in terms of it's almost like a minutia question really here. And I suppose, I suppose that uh, Bora obviously saw it differently. They thought that he was uh, railroaded. Yeah. But yeah, you know, obviously that big of a crash, the jury is going to do something. But I mean, to me, I was surprised that he he was ejected personally.
0: You can sort of understand why Bora kicked up a fuss. They're paying Peter Sagan, I think, what we've estimated, four million a year. That's a, that's a lot of change, a lot of pesos, four million euro a year. However, it could have a star to blame for the troubles. To the France is for every team the biggest goal in the year. And uh, we had not only small goals with Peter. We have very big goals, and uh, he goes out with a decision what, in our
1: eyes, not right. And uh, it's a disaster for the team, for sure. Well, there's another side of this uh, equation. You know, maybe... Maybe you could argue, you can make a pretty good argument that it's Cavendish's fault, right? You believe that, don't you? Well, I don't believe it, but you can make a pretty strong case, right? Cavendish is renowned to be going into holes, just, just like any sprinter, to be fearless. But you can make a pretty strong case. In that instance, Cavendish could have hit the brakes, sat up. The hole was not there. Sagan was closing that hole. And when you see the impact of where it was actually Cavendish running into the back of Sagan and Sagan's elbow was coming out for him to really keep his balance. So there's a pretty strong argument to be made that Cavendish shares a large part of the blame for that crash. And he could have easily wisely raised his hand, raised his stink like Cav does sometimes. And both of them would still be in the race. So I don't think, I think it's unfair to say that it's entirely Peter Sagan's fault that both those guys are not in the race.
0: It's one of the beauties of sports. We have all these different angles to look at and it'll really keep us uh, talking for the rest of the tour. We, of course, have about two and a half more weeks to go and many more sprint stages. Well, the way the, way the GC's jacking up, we, it's probably this is all we'll have to talk about. We'll be talking about this every night. Andy Hood, thanks for joining me on the podcast and providing your excellent insight. I appreciate having you along for the ride. All
1: right, anytime, Ron, anytime. Thank you for listening
0: to Cycling Journals on the Road.